Good morning and welcome to our new normal online worship experience. How good is God to give us the resources and our skilled staff to be able to make this happen every week? We're so grateful. Today is Palm Sunday. It is the day all Christians all over the globe celebrate the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem. He rode in on a donkey and there was quite a party atmosphere. No doubt about that. I want to share an account from a book called When the Cheering Stopped, written by an American historian. Brett Blair, who's a well-known pastor and author, said, This was the story of President Woodrow Wilson and the events leading up to and following World War I. When that war was over, Wilson was an international hero. The great spirit of optimism had been fueled by the belief that the last war had been fought and the world had been made safe for everyone. On his first visit to Paris after the war, President Wilson was greeted by cheering mobs. He was actually more popular than their own hometown heroes. The same was also true in England and Italy. In a Vienna hospital one day, a Red Cross worker had to tell the children that there would be no Christmas presents that year. Because of the war and because of hard times, their lives were going to be different. The children didn't believe her. The children said that President Wilson was coming and they knew everything would be all right. The cheering lasted about a year. Then it gradually began to stop. The leaders in Europe were obviously more concerned with their own agenda than they were with lasting peace. Pretty sad story. Now, some of us know how that story ended for President Wilson. Barely a year after he was heralded as a bright young leader, his health, his political victories had come to an end. It sounds strangely familiar to the account of Jesus in that final week of his life and ministry on earth. The almost overnight sensation soon was on the receiving end of an angry mob crying, crucify him. How quickly the tide of public opinion had changed. On that Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem to the cheers and the adoration of hundreds of people. Five short days to the very next Friday when the crowds turned against him. How could this happen? Why would this happen? Well, let's first remember that the scriptures had predicted years and years ahead the time, the date, how it would happen, where it would happen. And in five days, the celebration and cheering all stopped. Why? Well, first, maybe because Jesus began to preach more and more about commitment as the response to God's grace. Now, everyone I've ever known loves grace. I love grace. You love grace. All God's children love grace, right? What's not to love? God sees our rebellion. He sees our sinful lives. And he doesn't annihilate us because of it. Rather, he loves us and sacrificed his own son to pay for our rebellion and our sin. So everybody wants that grace, right? Romans 8.32 says it this way, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, 
graciously give us all things. You see, Jesus preached for much of his three years about God's amazing grace. But as these last months wore on, Jesus' message took a little different tone. It was actually one of responding to God's grace with commitment. Not just loyalty, but commitment. Commitment is to last a lifetime, not just while a particular leader was in place. Commitment is to the heart of the mission. That's why Jesus' preaching was a call to commitment. This message of commitment as a response to God's grace is perhaps one reason the cheering for Jesus stopped. Another second reason might be that Jesus dared to preach that all people were worth loving. Of course, that's where many in the crowd drew a line in the sand. It is often where we draw a similar line as well. Not just that all people deserve to be loved by God, but that every one of his followers might imitate the heart of God for everyone. Look what happened on that Palm Sunday. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 6 through 15, in the New International Version, says it this way. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, they placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread, spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they began to ask, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth to Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. It is written, Jesus said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did, and children that were shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, those same priests and teachers, they were indignant. Jesus went to the temple and drove the money changers out. That was kind of a big moment in Jesus' ministry, wasn't it? After the temple had been emptied, Jesus then received the crippled, the poor, the sick, the outcast, the marginalized, those that were living on the fringes of the society to enter the temple. Man, Jesus had a way of stirring things up, didn't he? The message of Jesus really began to sound different to a lot of people. This was the moment that many people began to hear Jesus clearly, and they simply did not like what they heard. Jesus was painting a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is going to look like. Every tribe, every tongue, from all four corners of the earth will worship as one. He welcomes them all. All are invited. All will be included. 
there may also be a third reason that the cheering stopped. Jesus began to talk about the cross. In the early days, Jesus talked about God's grace and the kingdom of God as this most wonderful thing. Then he began to declare that the way to this kingdom was the cross. Suddenly, very few wanted to hear about suffering. Few wanted to hear about sacrifice or the giving up of human life. Let's rethink this, Jesus. God's grace and the kingdom thing, ah, that's all good. But now that you're talking about the cross, that's not what I signed up for. I was looking for a conqueror who would free us from the Roman oppression. I'm out of here, and you will be too. Friends, can I remind us of something? This is the only reason Jesus came. The cross was the way to God's grace for me and for you. The cross is the way we experience the promise of God's presence. The cross is the way we get to live real life, abundant and no longer chained to sin and death. Jesus' death on the cross is the way to life. God showed us that there was absolutely no length he would not go to express his love to a world of broken, rebellious, arrogant, sin-filled people just like me. He gave his own life to show his Father's amazing love. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever believed that God gave his only begotten Son for you? For your sin? Have you trusted him with your life? Have you ever received his forgiveness for your sins and invited him to be your Lord and Savior? You can do that right now where you sit. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day to take the penalty for your sin, then wherever you are right now, you can declare this out loud with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it out loud with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe. If you'd like to receive his free gift of forgiveness for your sins, tell God right now out loud that you want what he has offered you and paid for with the life of his own son. If that's what you want, Say it with me out loud. Jesus, I want your forgiveness and your life. Say that with me. Jesus, I want your forgiveness and your life. Friends, if you did that for the very first time in your life, by the authority of God's word, you have passed from darkness to light, from death to life. Welcome to God's family. This morning, we will get to share communion together. Don't think I've ever really done it like this before, but I'm going to invite you and anybody who's with you, your family or friends, to be a part of this very special moment. There's really no clearer picture of God's incredible love for us than when you pull up to the table of the bread and the cup. We practice open communion here at Connection Point. For everyone who's placed their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome to the table 
of the Lord. Feel free to use whatever bread or cracker or whatever really you have that will help you remember the Lord's sacrifice and be thankful. The scriptures say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your body was given so that we might have life. We thank you so much, God, for the way that you offered your son for sinful people. God, we thank you that you included me and you included everyone who has ever lived to receive the invitation of the Lord. Come and experience forgiveness and real life. God, thank you for allowing your body to be broken for us. We do this in remembrance of you. Take whatever you have and eat. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, thank you. The power in the blood of Jesus removes all sin. God, thank you so much for allowing every drop of blood that Jesus shed for the sins of the world to be enough. God, we thank you this morning that we get an opportunity to remember and to be thankful. For we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we do this in remembrance of you. And the scripture says, for whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until that time when he comes back. What an incredibly special moment to get to share together. I hope your moment with your family or friends was as meaningful for you as this moment was for me. The body and blood of Jesus broken and spilled out is life-changing. And so thank you for being a part of this very special morning. You see, Palm Sunday is a party. Everybody likes a party, right? This party was short-lived, but the greatest party was still on the horizon. And we're going to get to celebrate that next week as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We hope that you plan to join us.